Even when the world may feel like it's ending, smart entrepreneurs can still be successful. How do they approach new endeavors? Welcome to Tell Me Something Good About Retail, the podcast of The Retail Doctor. I'm your host, Bob Fibbs. My guests today are Jordan and Glenn Edwards, authors of the new book, This Is It, and founders of the 10-store chain, Mixology. They discuss the importance of embracing the fundamentals while building your retail business. Uh, we own a 10-store brick-and-mortar and omni-channel retail chain based out of uh, Long Island, New York. Uh, we're headquartered here in Limbrook, and we own and operate, uh, operate a contemporary women's fashion business. Uh, we got into the business about 10 years ago. Well, well, I, have un- I have to unpack that for a second. 10 years ago, we're coming out of the recession. Is that when you started? <laughs> that is when we started our business when there was no hope. Uh, 100-year-old banking institutions like Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers shutting their doors. Yeah. Uh, the world seemed like it was ending, but my father is an eternal optimist and an incredible entrepreneur, and he always believes that there's an opportunity. And he invested with this young couple, uh, our, our former business partners. They retired uh, a few months ago, and they, they treated my sister incredibly well. When she was 13, her name is Gabrielle. She's our business partner today and the head buyer of our company. She didn't want to play soccer. So my dad, the business guru, says, well, if you don't want to play a sport, you have to get a job. So 13-year-old Gabby walks down the street to this little boutique that had just opened up in our town called Beautiful Girl. And she started working for them all through middle school, high school, and into college. And while she was in college, the world turned upside down. And this, uh, what you would consider a normal designer jeans and t-shirt shop that are uh, frequently in so many small, uh, wealthy communities around the country, they were upside down. They were selling $150 t-shirt and $300 jeans and the market just for that evaporated. So our partner was forced to put his entire store on a 90% off discount. And even in the height of the recession, women were lining up around the block and he blew through the inventory. So he said, you know, it's not that people don't want to shop. It's that the whole market was shifting towards fast fashion. And he came up with a new concept store called Mixology which was to mix and match price points. He was noticing that women were wearing $800 Louboutin shoes and $5,000 Chanel bags and then a $60 top from Zara. And he said, I need to adjust my price point. So he, he, he came up with the idea for Mixology and he didn't even really know my dad. He knew my mom, but he needed an investor and someone to back him in this idea. So, so he brought it to, to my dad, Glenn. And, and my dad said, sounds like a great idea, but I have absolutely no interest in being in the retail business. And my mom, Lisa, said, if you don't help them in their time of need, they're going to lose everything. So my dad made a very small investment in in, uh, early 2009. And in the first three months, in the height of the recession, with this new concept, our partner returned the initial investment to my dad. And my dad said, what'd you say? You're on to something. It's a great idea. Uh, And uh, again, I reinvested so you could turn over inventory and buy inventory one more time. Uh, and then uh, as I was watching him develop this business, I said, I, I don't think you're going to be able to make enough of a living with one store. And I said, I suggest you open a second store. And with that, I gave him the capital to open a second store, bigger investment, uh, hired more people. Again, coming out of the recession or still in the recession, but with this different price point model. 
and it took off. And all of a sudden, uh, Mixology, just, Mixology wasn't just a one-store operation. Now, locally, it had two stores and was building a customer base. Uh, and hello, my name is Glenn Edwards, and I'm one of the founders of Mixology also. <laughs> That's good. Well, in your book, you, you guys refer to success begins in the bathroom. Can you elaborate on that for us? So we, we have this funny joke in our company, and we always say, if you want to know how businesses run, you don't have to check out the boardroom. You should check out their bathrooms. Uh, basically, that's just how is this business operating on its most fundamental level? How, how do they control their ABCs, the basics? And if you walk into a company, a restaurant, a retailer, and you go into the bathroom and it's a disaster, you could be pretty sure that the rest of the company isn't running too well either. Uh, obviously, there's exceptions to the rule, but, but we feel companies that really get it, they usually have immaculate bathrooms. All of the smallest details are covered. As a matter of fact, we were walking to lunch today, and there was a piece of paper on the parking lot in the building where we have our headquarters. Uh, we happen to own the building, but I think even if we didn't own the building, Jordan would have picked up that piece of paper, and he would have put in a piece of trash. He just, he just didn't walk past it. And in my brain, I'm saying, oh, I have such pride. My 34-year-old son is doing it the right way. Uh, he's not a baby anymore. He's a big boy, but he's doing it the right way and setting the example for everybody else in our company. We'll explore more in just a bit, but first, a quick word about Field Agent, our sponsor. Field Agent is an on-demand platform that furnishes businesses with in-store information, shopper insights, and services to drive product sales all through the Field Agent mobile app, featuring a panel of over 1.5 million shoppers. In a matter of hours, you can get photos and data from stores everywhere. If you need in-store visibility and you need it fast, Field Agent is the solution for you. Visit www.fieldagent.net slash retail doctor for exclusive content. Now let's get back to it. I appreciate that. And, and you know, what that says to me is you've got a process. I was with a startup uh, coffee company called It's a Grind, and I would interview new servers uh, at the higher level after they made it through. And uh, one of my keys was I'd put a, a dirty like a napkin on the floor and see uh, when they sat down for the interview what they did. And invariably, the best ones always picked it up and said, where can I put this or something? But they wow. had that same idea. <laughs> I, 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 and I realized after a while, it's like, well, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be great servers. But it did show me you're always looking, and that's what I appreciate um, about what you're talking about, that you built a business based on process. Well, we're a company with about 175 employees now, part-time and full-time. And uh, many years ago, Bob Lutz, he was a CEO of Chrysler. At one point, he was the GE, GM, excuse me. And uh, he had to make a decision. How are we going to survive? So he took all his key managers, the most sophisticated, most talented people that were sitting in the ivory towers and said, get out of your office and you're all going to run a department. You're gonna, one of them, you're going to be on the manufacturing floor. Another one, you're going to be on the sales floor. Another one, you're going to be in the marketing department. Get out of the ivory tower, get down with your people and do it the right way. And, and that's been a philosophy I've lived by my entire career. And I've started and bought uh, probably close to 40 companies now. Uh, and, uh, and now I'm on the board of a few companies. And I try to impart that to all the businesses that I'm involved with because there are, there are certain uh, very responsible and dependable practices 
that if you do them regularly and, and, and put them as the culture of your company, you have a higher chance of success. I'm and totally with you. So there's guaranteed failures also. So. But you're also kind of a unicorn there, my friend. I mean, you know, there's not many people that can say, A, they, they have been that focused on business around the table. B, they're that uh, uh, focused on process and have bought and sold 40 companies. You know, we're here today to talk about this book that we wrote, This Is It. Right. And the whole way that this book started was in, I came out of college in 2008. All my friends that graduated in 2007 and 2008 had gotten these jobs with uh, Bear Stearns, Lehman Brothers, Goldman Sachs, and the world fell apart. And I had tons of friends that thought the world was either going to end, they lost their jobs, mm. and they, they had never seen this before. So my dad started writing a blog on WordPress. At the time, blogging is it's so commonly heard today with influencers and bloggers, but he started writing this blog to reach my friends and to talk about hope and enthusiasm and that the world was not ending and that this is cyclical. It's happened before and it's going to happen again. And that was it. He, he wrote this blog and then the world got better and my friends got jobs. And about three years ago, I found that blog. And when looking back on it all these years later, I had thought, oh, maybe my dad had written for a couple months. It turned out that he had been writing every day for three years. And I went back and read the entries and it was so profound. And in the 10 years since the Great Recession, I've read countless books. I usually read about a book a week. And I said, wow, my dad really knows what he's talking about. <laughs> he really knew what he's talking about all the way back then. And so I turned that whole blog into a coffee table book for him and presented it to him as a gift. And I implored him, you need to write a book. I think that this is really important stuff. And I think people want to hear it once again, these many years later. So two years ago now, my dad wrote a book called Coming Into Your Own, which is about all the morals and the mindsets that you need to be a, a business leader. So he comes to me about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, and says, you know, what did you say? I said, I want to write a book with you, Jordan. I said, the world has improved dramatically. The credit market, after being closed for a number of years to businesses, even though I funded Mixology and now we're at eight stores and we're growing business. The level of sophistication in our company is not a startup anymore. But I said, there's going to be so many new startup businesses. And I think we have a message that we can give to them in This Is It. We didn't know the name of the book at the time. But I said, we can give them all the tried and proven practices that we've used to start Mixology and other businesses. And if we could pass this on to what I thought would be a million new businesses starting and some very young entrepreneurs and some seasoned business leaders that either failed or didn't fail or didn't try in the past, uh, but that are ready to strike it out on their own. Uh, and I said, Jordan, let's do this together. And he said, I'm 100% into it. I said, oh, and we both want to take our message and pass it along. Well, that's And shows. by the way, we're not writers for commercial success. We're writers to leave behind the message. Okay. Few and writers. Few, writers. few writers of a commercial success, my friend. I. My uh, last book, I think we sold 10,000 copies, which sounds great. And then you look at something like Harry Potter and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm nowhere close to that. But so you but, and but, I, Bob, if we could help one young person or young uh, business leader uh, just maybe not make that critical mistake or give them the key to the kingdom so they could figure out how to do it. If well, you we know, could just pass it along, it well, might be know, the next one. 
you know, Glenn, I mean, and I, I don't think this is a devil's advocate thing, but millennials are already pretty hopeful. I'm always shocked at the level of like, you know, I'm going to open the store and, and well, how is it going to be successful? Oh, yeah, I love buying. And you're like, uh, a store isn't about buying. A story is about selling. And it's like, well, we'll be fine. Or I'm going to open a restaurant. Uh, have you ever worked in a restaurant before? No, but it's going to be great because a friend of mine's a chef. And you're like, that doesn't mean it'll be a great restaurant. When reading your book, you get this feeling that they've got a great cheerleader and intuitive business coach that you've been there and done that. But, you know, if you were to give me like three lessons that aren't all cheerleader and maybe, you know, I'm, I'm a big one that believes, you know, so many guys are chasing the hustle. I'm going to do this job and I'm going to do another one and I can do all these things. But you got to put the time in. One of his most important and valuable lessons to me was, was build it and sell it. Uh, when I was in college, uh, we developed a relationship with a, a clothing manufacturer in, in China. And it was unbelievably hard to, to produce small runs of goods in the United States in the early 2000s. So my, my dad encouraged me to start a t-shirt business. And I, and I had this friend who had a store on Newberry Street in Boston, and he was going to carry my line. And the, 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 fund, the foundation of the business was getting started. And I started writing a business plan and trying to raise money and opening bank accounts. And I was working so hard on getting this business started. And weeks turned into months. And months turned into more months. And my dad looked at me and I hadn't sold in a single t-shirt. He says to me, listen, you don't need a business plan to sell t-shirts. He said, all you got to do is make the shirt and sell the shirt. That's business. Just start. So his two pieces of advice to me was one, build it and sell it. Two, just start. And three, one of the core tenants of all of our businesses, and we have a, a family real estate business, which I run called the Chart Organization, and at Mixology Clothing Company, our retail business, we, we have a saying, and it says, we treat our people like customers. That's all of our people, not just our customers, not just our employees, but our vendors, our landlords, and our service providers also, because these are stakeholders in your business. These are mouthpieces for your success. When we want to open up a new store in a class A shopping center or on an incredible location in Manhattan, we need people who are going to advocate for us. And if we've burned all of our vendors and if we haven't treated our customers well, what do you think they're going to say when it comes time to opening up a new location? So the three pieces of advice I leave to all of your listeners are one, build it and sell it. Two, just start. And three, Treat your people like your customers, all your people. Jordan, I think that's an important, and maybe it's because of you guys' real estate background, but it always seems to me like, um, well, I'll probably digress on this, but, you know, it was a big deal that Barney's went bankrupt. And it was, oh, their leases, you know, more than doubled. Meanwhile, did you look at what their lease was and how many floors in, in, in Manhattan they had? They had a pretty good deal to begin with, but I'm always shocked at this um, adversarial relationship people go into when it comes to their landlords, like immediately they're trying to do this, they're trying to do that instead of, instead of realizing this is my business partner, instead of realizing that, you know, I'm only successful if we are successful. He's done all those things for landlords and uh, they get shocked when they get a gift in the mail from us, as yeah. opposed to us expecting a gift. And, and I'm a landlord that does send out holiday gifts and never forgets uh, to send flowers to, new, to a new tenant. Uh, but I could say it's not reciprocal, but it's not important to be reciprocal. All I do, I do it for the right reasons. I hope that we send the message. Yeah. Uh, Bob, I've mentored, I don't know, countless people, but I was mentoring a, a, 
uh, up in Massachusetts yesterday. I was called by a colleague who's starting out on her own in a real estate business now. And she said, can you just meet with me for an hour at Starbucks and just kind of give me the secrets of what to do? And I spent about an hour and a half with her yesterday. Uh, and we talked about how difficult it is to get started. I wanted to be very clear. If you don't work really, really hard in the beginning, I'm talking 724. If business isn't on your mind, all done. You're not an entrepreneur. You're a entrepreneur. I hear that on uh, Mark Cuban says it all the time on Shark Tank. Uh, I told her that the first three to six months, you don't can't expect to do much business. If you do, it's more by luck than by skill. I said, but the things you do in the first three to six months is the beginning of making your business bank account, and you load it up. Because when you're building a business bank account, it's not always money that goes into it. You're putting relationships in your bank account, ones you could draw on down the road. Okay, You're putting in time and effort. That means you're pounding pavements, making phone calls, trying to develop leads. That's your business bank account. And if you load up that bank account with all the right business practices, guess what? Down the road, you get to draw on it. And then in two or three years, if your business is doing well and you hit uh, a recession or some kind of dip, where things get a little tough, the people that don't have anything in their business bank account have nothing to draw upon. But the ones that do are the ones that survive through good and bad times. I think that's the other challenge. You know, I've been doing this retail doctor, this is my 25th year, and I can say things because of the experience I've had. But ultimately, until you experience it, you don't really know that you're right. You know what I mean? Like, we can tell you what happens when you don't look at cash flow, but until that happens to you and you're like, oh, I knew that was something I should have been paying attention to. Um, it doesn't always resonate. And sometimes, let's be honest, it's, it is too late um, for some entrepreneurs. We've had businesses that we've started and failed at, but we've learned as much in the ones that have been successful as the ones we've shut down. We've had businesses where we've had great ideas, wanted to execute on them and had to pivot to go in another direction. So, I'll let Jordan speak to challenges that he's had at Mixology in the last three years because he's the guy that grinds out every day. He's the guy that has management meetings on Tuesdays every week, never fails to have one. But I'm going to tell you, we aren't at 100% at all by any stretch. Of that. We don't want to pass that along to whoever's listening. But some of the mistakes, some of the challenges we've had, some of the failures we've had have led us to our best successes and, and most education. Yeah, big a big part of our book is, is not only sharing the successes, but it is sharing the failures. Uh, each one of the chapters in our book are, are anecdotes and stories. And then maybe my favorite part of the book is the end of the book, uh, which is the appendix, where we go chapter by chapter, where I give all the tools that I'm using on a daily basis, uh, the tools and the resources that I help to run the business. You have to focus on where all the successful things from the last 5,000 years that retailers have been doing with all the things that the newest and best companies are doing today. Uh, for every time a company closes and you hear about a dress barn, there's a, a Casper mattress or uh, some, a new online direct-to-consumer brand like Boohoo who's going to you know, blow the industry's socks off. So focus on the fundamentals, learn the fundamentals, learn what made a lot of these businesses successful for many years, but also pay attention to the amazing new innovations that are coming out of the uh, digital world, the direct-to-consumer world. I just find it incredible that Amazon goes and puts Barnes and & Nobles and, and all these bookstores out of business, and now they're opening brick-and-mortar retail stores. 
And I would say, don't to a, someone looking to start a business, fear shouldn't be the reason you don't go into business, and fear shouldn't be the one that you live with every day if you are in business. Uh, Amazon is not going to put all retailers out of business. They're going to put retailers that don't know how to compete and operate out of business, that's for sure. They'll find the holes in your business and, and take advantage of them. But it doesn't mean that you can't survive right alongside of Amazon. Learn from them. Find the pockets of business where they don't do it well. Uh, you know, I term this, uh, I think, way before most people did. You have to be in the anti-Amazon business. Because we own retail strip centers. And our strip centers, if we just depended upon chain stores and stores that uh, were being out-competed by Amazon or Home Depot or Staples when they were growing and putting people out of business, we wouldn't have tenants in our businesses. So we, we sought out tenants that were regional, had strong ties to their community, that had products and services that people wanted to shop for locally in a store, and we're still doing that. And we have over 400 tenants in our buildings. So, you know, there are people that are surviving and thriving. Uh, mixology happens to be one of them. Knock on wood a million times because you never know in business what's going to happen. But we're but we do all the right things to stay in business. Uh, but if for someone that's starting out, don't be fearful. Be smart. And don't, be, uh, don't expect it to come to you. Work for it. And if you have to, grind every single day. And you keep grinding and grinding and grinding. And sometimes the grinding gets easier. Sometimes it's tougher. But you stay in there every single day. And if you have a great product, great process, good people that trust you, you invest in that bank account of business that I spoke to you about before, you're probably going to have a business that's, that survives yeah. and does well. I was the millennial kid. First of all, I am a millennial, one of the, at the top of the, the generation. But when I first started running Mixology, I had a lot of success. And I thought I knew everything. My dad brought me into a meeting with a private equity guy. His name's Keith Miller. He runs a company called Good Partners. He's done some incredible deals, like buying the company Intermix and ended up selling it to Gap. He was an investor in Supreme and All Saints. This guy is an all-star, and he was so gracious with his time. We told him all about Mixology, and he started quizzing me about the business. And I didn't know the answers to any of the things that he was talking about. They were all ABC retail questions and terms. And I had two, questions, I had two options after that meeting. I could go back after that meeting and say, F him. He doesn't know what he's talking about. I know. I'm young. Or I could go and I could learn. And I wrote down everything he said, and I made it my mission to learn. And over the past probably seven or eight years since that meeting took place, I made books and authors, leaders, generals, retailers, I made them into my mentors through their pages. And that was one of the reasons I was so excited to write this book, because I just became so hungry to learn. I love that idea. No excuses. This is a, a historic time to be in retail. Uh, my recommendation to all the retail, retailers out there is be true to who you are as a person and as a brand. And if you're going to be in the brick and mortar retail business, it's a great time to write lease. There's some really, really fantastic landlords out there who understand the business and uh, try to steer away from the ones that are a little bit of dinosaurs and aren't evolving. I'm going to say that if you're going to start a business and you're going to take money from family and friends, or even your own money to invest in it. Treat that money like it's the last penny on earth. Treat it so well. Don't waste a nickel. Make every single dollar work for you. And, uh, and if you do take money from outsiders, then be a good, responsible, you know, uh, 
you know, uh, general of that money. Make sure you take good care of it for them, uh, and you'll and you'll feel good about yourself afterwards. I think that's really great, Glenn. I know people who have started businesses and they bought money from friends and family, and then you look at they had to go out and buy a couch, or they had to go out and buy a new this or a new that, and you're like, um, that's not really what you should have done with that money. You people were banking on you. And they didn't expect that. So I love that. Well, listen, uh, it's, I've enjoyed Bob, our time together. Bob, one, question. one question to you, Bob. Have you been at our, dining, at our dinner tables? Because I think we've had that conversation. <laughs> I, I know. I was waiting for either one of you to say, and Bob Fibbs has been the one we've always uh, took, taken advice from. But I haven't heard that on the call yet, my friend. So, uh, <laughs> so you can find our business, Mixology, at shopmixology.com. We have 10 locations around the New York metropolitan area. And you can find out information on our book at jordanedwards.com. You can also find information on my dad's first book coming into our own there. And uh, we really hope that we hear from your listeners. And, and if they have any questions, they could reach out to us through, through any of our businesses. That's great. Well, I've enjoyed speaking to you uh, gentlemen today and uh, my best to you. consider your success. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Bob. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks to my guests, father and son, Glenn and Jordan Edwards, for sharing their entrepreneurial spirit and their advice not to overthink things too much. I particularly like their advice to treat everybody like your customers, well, your employees, obviously, but also your vendors, your landlord, and your service providers. On the next episode of Tell Me Something Good About Retail, I'll speak with Bill Jackson, CEO of Rockford. Not familiar with that brand? Bill says, we carry anything that rolls on wheels or floats on water. We've got an audio solution for that. You won't want to miss it. I'm Bob Fibbs, The Retail Doctor. Thanks again for listening. Tell me something good about retail is the podcast of The Retail Doctor. Visit RetailDoc.com to learn what makes Bob Fibbs the authority on brick-and-mortar retail across the world, who works with some of the biggest brands all the way down to the smallest mom and pops. As a listener of the Tell Me Something Good About Retail podcast, you can receive free information and guides when you visit RetailDOC.com and sign up for our exclusive weekly newsletter. For more information, to access the complete archives of past retail goodness, and to see about Bob speaking to your audience, please visit RetailDoc.com.